I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Happy Pentecost again. The last Sunday of Easter. Happy Easter too. <laughs> In this service of Holy Eucharist, we're going to pray for God to send down his spirit. That same spirit that he gave his disciples on Pentecost so long ago. You remember? We get that bread and that wine up there, and we pray this prayer over the bread and the wine. And we say, send your Holy Spirit upon these gifts. God promised to send us his spirit and bless that bread and that wine. And wherever the spirit is, there is the sun. And if God pours his spirit on some bread and wine, then we can say with confidence, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. You are what you eat. We eat the same bread. We drink the same cup. We're one with one another and one in Christ. It is because the bread and the wine of the communion of Christ's body and blood make us one with Christ that we, God's family, can be made one with one another. So watch and see. A mystery is going to unfold. The mystery of God's spirit making us one in Christ. In the spirit, it is the spirit that makes us one together in Christ. So something wonderful happened on that first Pentecost day for the church. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the, as the Spirit gave them ability. The people of God were dispersed throughout the regions of the world controlled by Rome and beyond. This is called the Diaspora. God had promised his people that they would all live in one place together, the Promised Land. So things weren't quite, just weren't quite right. On top of that, because they lived in different lands, they didn't all necessarily speak the same language anymore. So even though they would, many of them were able to head to Jerusalem every year for the Passover and other feasts, there was not necessarily clear communication among them. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? The Spirit of God is a spirit of peace, not of confusion. As God's Spirit descended upon the faithful, the disparate people of God were able to come together, not just for the feast, but with understanding, mutual understanding as well. So much so that St. Peter could stand up and declare that one of the ancient prophecies, that of Joel, had been fulfilled. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, 
as your young men shall see visions, as your old men shall dream dreams, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Spirit makes communication possible where it has seemed impossible before. Whenever we see communication in places where it seemed impossible, we know we're seeing the work of God, the Holy Spirit. We live in a time of a lot of miscommunication. I'm not saying it's any worse than any other time, although it maybe feels like it to us. I think it's a general human condition that we've got trouble communicating with each other. I think it's across the world, it's across cultures, it's certainly in our world and in our culture right now. I hear a lot of people complaining about social media. I don't know, I've opted out of that. It didn't work for me, so maybe they're right. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've heard um, a lot of worry about chat GPT and artificial intelligence writing things for us, maybe. Maybe that will lead to miscommunication. But I think we've all experienced miscommunication in the world, in our country, in our families, in our lives. The Spirit is what makes communication possible, where it's been impossible before. So, again, let's watch this mystery happening this morning. All of us folks have come in from our different lives and different places, but we're listening to this same Word of God. We're hearing this same word, and it's gathering us around this same table in this act of the Eucharist. So the same thing that happened to the disciples seemingly so long ago is happening for us this morning right here. God is sending God's Spirit like fire down upon our Eucharist. And we share it together. We pray for that Spirit to come on that bread and wine. And the bread and wine is on fire and yet not consumed like the burning bush. And you are what you eat, and we eat it, and we also partake in that Holy Spirit that unites us to God in the Son. So now let's look forward a few decades to the disciples at Corinth. They're in a mess, okay? There is, you know, the church on earth in any given location is supposed to be a sign of unity. The way in which the Spirit of God brings unity when people are divided against one another. But that was not what was going on in Corinth at the time. They were in a mess, there were divisions, there was dissension, things were not looking good, and St. Paul the Apostle was angry with them, which is scary. So St. Paul writes to them, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. Being a Christian doesn't mean behaving exactly the same way as other Christians. In fact, almost the opposite. Still less does it mean having the same ideas in our heads. It's not about what ideas we can produce or reproduce in others. We each have our own unique personalities, our own gifts, callings, and vocations. And in fact, we need each other and these differences among us 
to be one and to function properly, we need our differences to be one body. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. We have many gifts given to us by the same spirit who puts them all to use together for the common good. Diversity of talents, gifts, skills, personalities is not a threat to unity, but is the prerequisite of it. The spirit unites us across difference without blotting out our differences, but lifting them up and sharing them for the common good. And this is even what we mean by the word Catholic when we say that in the creed. All the churches of God are diverse in place and practices, in their language and in their devotion, but we are all one church. And we, as individual persons, are called in Christ to possess a kind of Catholic personhood with respect to one another. The Spirit unites us across difference without blotting out our differences. Again, we find ourselves this morning maybe in a tough spot within our homes, within our own families. Many of us feel tension across our culture and society as citizens. And certainly there are wars and divisions in our world. We share the same problems that those disciples felt. But also, the problem in Corinth was the divisions within the church. And we feel those kinds of divisions in our own day. The divisions in our society, where we take on a team spirit and we enjoy cheering for our team against the other team, we enjoy the sweet feeling of self-righteousness, of knowing how right we are, um, and enjoy denouncing those that we are sure are wrong. And meanwhile, sometimes the fighting of the folks that have power have little to do with the folks that don't have power, and so they just opt out of the conversation. And then we find ourselves in an America with a very divided church. Why do we have churches with all these adjective names in front of them? Right? When the church in the Bible, there's no adjective in front of it except one holy Catholic and apostolic. Right? Like, why, why do we have these adjectives? And sometimes when I get on my theological high horse and I'm really sure that my theology is amazing, and those people over there in that denomination are dumb, stupid, <laughs> and wrong. When I think the distinction is theological, I wonder if the distinction might not be because of the way that in our culture, these differences get mapped onto the church. Mm. And my bad faith that the intellectual problems are the real reasons why I'm divided it may have more to do with my class and position and politics than with creed or confession. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, this ought not to be so. When we look at each other in here, we are certainly diverse. But are we as diverse as the early church? 
One of the craziest challenging things about the early church was that rich and poor, slave and free, Greek and Jew, upper class aristocracy and slaves would be meeting and sharing the same bread and the same wine. And yet, ask any sociologist or demographer in America, the adjectives in front of the churches often name all of those differences. But we know that we have the Spirit when we find by grace that we are united across difference without blotting out those differences, but lifting them up and sharing them for the common good. Now, of course, Paul is talking to the church and not necessarily to the United States of America or to your family. Nevertheless, what we believe as Christians is that what we do here for one hour or one hour and a half, if it's Pentecost, on a Sunday morning is supposed to richly affect the way that we live in the world the rest of the week. Just as uh, Mother Mary is going to take that bread and she is going to break it so that we can each take a bite. The body of Christ will be broken and distributed. So too, when I, will I be given the dismissal? Yeah. When I give the dismissal, this body gathered is broken and is distributed for the life of the world. We take what we gain here, and it is like leaven that is worked in the dough. Remember when Jesus said that? That's what we're heading out to do. So watch, because a mystery is happening this morning in the act of the Eucharist. The same thing that happened to the disciples so long ago is going to happen for us right here in front of our eyes. We're sacramental Christians. Remember, we believe that if we do it, it will happen. So pay attention, open your eyes, lock into the faith. God is going to share his spirit like fire down upon our Eucharistic gifts. And as we share them together, the tongues of flame will be divided among each of us. And we who are many will be one. The disciples were confused after Jesus was raised from the dead. He was alive, but he wasn't always around them. He was kind of surprising them with surprise visits. And then sometimes it seemed like he'd be away for a long time. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, a Sunday, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said this, he, after he said this, he showed his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us the Spirit so that we can be in touch with him, feel his presence, remain close, even though he is seated at the Father's right hand. It is his greatest chief gift to us, like Mr. Casey pointed out it to us this morning with the children. Now, if you're like me, I can often get discouraged. There's many times in my life, in my week, maybe even in my day, where I feel like I live in a world that is very far from God. It is very far from the unity that doesn't blot out diversity. Very far from genuine charity, love. And I feel lonely. And I wonder, where is Jesus? And I'd like to be closer to Jesus and feel Jesus' presence. 
but I know that I have the Spirit because of my baptism. And I know that I have the Spirit because I don't always feel that way. There are times in my life where I feel very close to Jesus, where I feel the powerful presence of God, the transformative presence of God in my life. Whenever I feel present to Christ, it's because of the Holy Spirit that the Father has given me in my baptism. And my prayer this morning is that that can be true for every single one of us here this morning, at some point today, this week, in our lives, hopefully with some frequency, maybe by grace with more frequency than when we feel lonely and sad. (laughs) Hopefully exactly when we're feeling lonely and sad. Jesus gives us his spirit that we may remain one with him and one another. So let us celebrate the mystery of the Holy Eucharist this morning. That same thing that happened to the disciples so long ago on the day of the Lord is happening here this morning on this day of the Lord. God is going to send his spirit like fire down upon our Eucharistic offerings of bread and wine. And we will become what we eat. We will eat the same bread and drink the same cup and be one with our Lord and one with one another. So we are all one together in the body of our Lord Jesus Christ as we share this communion. In this service of Holy Eucharist, we pray to God to send down his spirit, the same spirit he gave to his disciples on Pentecost so long ago. So, happy Pentecost, everyone. It is the spirit that makes us one together in Christ. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.